0: Located in the Black Hills of South Dakota, Mount Rushmore is a monumental sculpture carved into the side of a mountain, depicting four of the most famous and influential presidents in the history of the United States of America. Jeremy.
1: If you're looking at icons.
2: MC.
3: That was actually
2: my ringtone for a while.
1: Louisie. I I feel good about it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast, where pop culture is carved in stone. I am one of your co-hosts, MC, joined, as always, by my three good friends for now, until we get to the end of the show. First up, my um, my partner in crime as the other co-host of the Second Chance Cinema podcast, Spro. Spro, how are you doing? i'm doing great
2: i'm excited to get into it today
1: all right next up uh we have a frequent guest of the second chance cinema uh podcast and also a host with the most from the ground up here uh on the mount rushmore podcast award-winning author and film expert jeremy jeremy how are you doing
3: very well thanks glad to be here today
1: And last but not least, we have, again, a a longtime friend of the Second Chance Cinema podcast and another piece of the bedrock that is the Mount Rushmore podcast. He's ready to throw some fury at us white devils. Rudy, Rudy, how are you?
0: (laughs) That's the best intro ever. I'm great.
1: All right. So let me explain how this works. Every show, we pick a different topic, and in the tradition of Mount Rushmore, we do our best to debate and discuss and then eventually decide which four totems will be carved into the new Mount Rushmore of this sampling of pop culture. Today's topic, male sitcom characters, and we'll get into clarifying that in a little bit, but the way the show works is, first we... Each nominate our picks. Uh, Randomly, we choose between the four of us and we just go down the line, one, two, three, four. We each have four nominations that we will put up on the board, so to speak. Once that's done, that's time for discussion. There's a lot of WTF moments when we can't believe somebody nominated someone or when we find out we've crossed over with someone else and have a double nomination on the board. Then after the discussion, we get into the rounds of elimination. Round one each person has to cut one nominee from their own list. Round two, each person has to cut one nominee from someone else's list. And then in round three, each person has to nominate one of the remaining um, selections from someone else's list to the mountain. Now, recently instituted, we've decided, uh, a bonus reprieve of sorts for the person heading into the the episode with the least amount of points. This person can make a save and either elect to swap out, uh, replace, or simply eliminate one of the final choices. And that brings us to our point totals based on the number of uh, selections that they initially nominated that made it up to the mountain. Um, So far, we've got Spro. With 12 points in the lead. Ayo. Jeremy with 10 points in a close second. Myself with 9 points. And very last, let me check, uh, double check who's at the bottom. Rudy with 8 points. Oh my, don't call it a comeback. Rudy, so you're in a very, very unique position today. Once we get to the final round of um, basically deciding who's going to carve the mountain you're in a position to swipe one off, you're in a position to emphasize one that that you feel didn't get its just desserts. Um so coming into this show as an underdog, you've got a chance for a real uh a real um no, kick a- in
0: the nuts. Yeah, you guys better be nice to me with episode.
1: That <laughs> that's what that's, that's what how this out. works. <laughs> That's what we'll go with. This show's become mean. We're only six episodes in, and we're all just mean now. We're all just mean old, like just just mean old, like Clint Eastwood, Grand Torinos, just hanging out. Get off my lawn! All right. So our category today: male sitcom characters, and let's get into discussing sort of just the nuances and the particulars of this of this category. So we're talking about. The characters themselves, not the actors who played them, which for me wasn't a problem. I initially I never really considered the actors. I considered the characters because I feel like if there is and and to be honest, I couldn't really think of an actor who is in one more one is in more than one defining sitcom role. Um, But I suppose there is transcendence between actors who have become so known for these characters that You know, you see them in movies and you're like, oh, that's whoever from whatever show. So Spro, when you were making your choices, what went into your uh, decision of who made your list and who didn't?
2: I think like the pinnacle is like, did they change sitcoms forever? Like, are they one of the pinnacle people um, that you would put on Rushmore, obviously, as the show goes? But the other thing was, um, I was like, if you take them out of the show, is there a show? You know, there's a lot of good and we discussed it through text and everything that I was like, we should probably do an ensemble show because there's a lot of great sitcoms that are great because of the cast as a whole. And then there's what we came to discuss today. So that's kind of what I looked at. It was like the singular characters that if you took them out of the show, um, could the show still go on?
1: Interesting. All right. Jeremy, add on what went into your thought process when you were making your picks.
3: I was trying to think about guys who defined not only the show that they were on, but sort of an archetype that then followed in their footsteps or um, something that basically they left an imprint that people then tried to replicate going down the the line.
1: Okay. And Rudy, what about you? I'm
0: going to be honest. This was super difficult for me. I um I kind of ended up landing where Spro was with if these characters weren't a part of the show, would the show be the same or would I even watch it?
1: Fair enough. I think, I mean, not unlike you guys, those all crossed my mind. I tried to think, too, of characters that are memorable and in a way that doesn't necessarily require the show as the architecture in which they live. But if you were to put that character somewhere else, would that character still thrive? And I think that that, that for me was like a, that w- that was sort of a, a nudge over the finish line as to who made it. So um let's go ahead. I've got our lists. I'm going to randomize our, li- our names and we're going to see who goes first. We're just going to read off one, two, three, four. Say the name of your character and what show he is from. The Order, Spro, MC, Jeremy, and Rudy. Spro, you're up first.
2: I'm glad that I go first because there's been a whole lot of pronouns. Jeremy said, like, I was looking for the guy, and you just said the character, and he... uh, which show he was on? So I'm glad that my number one pick is uh, Lucy Ricardo
1: from I Wait, hold Love Hold on, Lucy. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is whoa, male, whoa, whoa, male whoa. sitcom
3: character. Right? Yeah, I thought the whole thing was male sitcom characters.
1: What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. That that was the specific category we landed on last time. Do we have a female? Uh, that's on there. We just didn't <laughs> land. On okay. That. As long as we
2: have, as long as we have that on there, it's bro. Do you want All me right. to come
1: back to you? You want me to no, remark? I got it. Psh, I
2: got this. Whatever. <laughs> all right,
1: <laughs> I'm quick. Let's go
2: ahead. Uh, all right, so my number two is Jerry Seinfeld from Seinfeld. Okay. My number three is Michael Scott from the American The Office. Uh, number three would be David Rose from Schitt's Creek. What does fold in the cheese mean? And then my fourth one, off the cuff, off the riff would be uh give me five
1: seconds five four three two archie bunker all right not bad um, sorry about that guys no problem Overside. archie bunker okay my picks in no particular order george costanza from seinfeld you know we're
3: living in a society
1: Michael Scott from The Office, Beavis from Beavis and Butthead, and Uncle Jesse from Full House. Silence. Next up, Jeremy.
3: I have Ralph Cramden from The Honeymooners, Alex Keaton from Family Ties, Ross Geller from Friends, and Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother.
1: Wow, hold on, I'm writing those down. Wow. None of those I thought you would pick, to be honest. Okay. Rudy, you're up. Wow.
0: Um, Okay. So the first one, uh, Michael Scott from The Office. Um, Second, I have The Fonz from Happy Days. Then I have Steve Urkel from Family Matters. And my number four, Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec.
1: All right. So we've got a this is a this is a remarkable gamut of characters, all male this time, um, that we <laughs> that we've come across here. And I have to say, I'm I'm most surprised by Jeremy's picks, only because they I, I felt like I felt like there would be at least one crossover between the majority of us, and there was, and it was who I thought it would be, Michael Scott. And then Jeremy's picks, I definitely want to hear more about them. Rudy, your picks. I vacillated between several of them. Spro, actually, same with yours. So I think we're going to have a decent discussion here. Let's start with, um, I mean, as of right now, Michael Scott's got three out of the four votes, and I think that the reason is just that he was that show, and it was apparent when he left how much he was that show. Spro, what do you what do you think about that?
2: Well, it's not only as I did my research, it not only was when he left, did the show go down, but the first season was kind of a shortened season. And it didn't necessarily have to do with Steve Carell. And so when they came back for the second season, they kind of formulated the show around him and his character of Michael Scott. And that is when the show really took off. Um, and it has, you know, critical acclaim uh, 201 episodes over nine seasons, like, you can't deny that Michael Scott was a fixture in American households. And now there's a reemergence. Like the kids today are now watching the office and quoting the office. And I don't think you would get that if Michael Scott didn't have staying power with who we were back in the day when it first came out and who we are now.
1: I, by the time this, this airs, the office will have been off Netflix. And I did some research into the best ways to, procure it for streaming purposes did you know that if you bought each episode of the office individually it would cost you more than six hundred dollars on amazon prime i declare bankruptcy and that's like all the seasons too so not even just the steve carell episodes um uh rudy you also had michael scott tell us tell us more
0: I mean, it's the, it's the quintessential everyman. A lot of people are like, um, I just talked to somebody recently who was like, oh, I can't watch The Office because it's just too cringy. Michael Scott, you know, the he, I feel embarrassed for him. And yeah, he has these moments where he is this selfish child, but he has those endearing moments, and they're so strong and they're so sincere that it redeems everything he ever does. And, I mean, Steve Carell was effortlessly funny as Michael Scott. And just, you know, like like Spro said, the, the kids these days are discovering the office through various memes and GIFs. And I think that just speaks to what the type of character that Steve Carell built in Michael Scott. So that's why I chose him.
1: I mean, I cho- all those reasons, I think there's one episode that always sticks out in my mind when I think about what you just said about how Steve Carell plays him as such a boob, but also like such an endearing, sincere character. And it's the, it's the I think it's the second season, it's a Halloween episode where he has to fire someone by the end of the day, and he's just agonizing over it the whole episode. He really doesn't want to lose what he perceives to be friendships with anyone in the office. Ultimately, he fires a throwaway character, which you know is kind of a little bit of a like a a built-in backdoor kind of thing. But then at the end, after he's had this horrible, horrible day of just not wanting to hurt anyone's feelings, not wanting to be the bad guy, really wanting to be a good boss, it cuts to a scene of him um, at his uh, front door with trick or treaters, and the way he interacts with them is just like it's just heart melting. You know, and it proves that like he that was the first glimpse I think you got that like this is going to be a character that's multi-layered and that exists to both make us laugh but also exists to sort of um, you know remind us about the best parts of of, of being human. So Jeremy totally. I thought that Michael Scott was gonna be on your list and he wasn't, and I'm curious why.
3: The the biggest reason really was that I knew everybody else would choose him and uh, that he would sort of be a lock, and I wanted to throw a couple of other characters in there to spark some conversation. But there's no question that Michael Scott's place on that mountain is well-earned. I mean, he is unquestionably the heart and soul of that show. He's the reason that I think that it it lasted as long as it did, Um, and the fact that all the the heart and emotion uh, that they put into his character... um, you know, not making him unlikable the way David Brent was in the British version. They actually made him sympathetic. So, uh, and that's why the show lasted. And then when he left, it, it left a huge void. And uh, they never quite recovered. I think they sort of lit to the finish. It wasn't like a, the show didn't fall apart. But uh, his presence, his absence rather, was definitely felt. So, yes, I was. he was on the shortlist for me, but I really thought, everybody else is going to choose them, or at least more people than not are going to. So let me pick a couple of other names to spark some conversation and see what we can stir up.
1: Okay. So another commonality across the board, myself and Spro both pick characters from Seinfeld. Now, Spro, you picked Seinfeld from Seinfeld. I picked George Costanza from Seinfeld. Tell me why specifically you picked Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, well,
2: everything, you know, kind of is... The obvious you have Jerry Seinfeld, the show is centered around him. So you can't take him out of the show and still have a show. Um, and then I do like George Costanza. Kramer was also on my short list. The whole cast of Seinfeld really could be argued because it is perhaps at least top five, one of the greatest sitcoms of all time in my mind, in my view. And so I knew I was going to come with somebody from that series and And then when I was breaking it down, I was like, there's no way that I can't put Jerry Seinfeld at the top, considering the fact that what is the show without the namesake behind it. And then, you know, just as I was doing the research and doing the deep dive, like I pretty much always looked at it as like a Larry David show, Larry David creation. Um, But to see how much Jerry Seinfeld, uh, his own personal experiences, what, you know, what he he was playing off of everybody as if they were his friends from the beginning. And I think that, uh, definitely helped spark all the other characters on the show. So then I was like, you know what, this guy is the eye of the tornado. And, uh, so that's why I gave it to him.
1: Okay. So I would, um, I would agree with everything you said. I think the differentiation is the fact that, you blurred the line between Jerry Seinfeld, the person and Jerry Seinfeld, the character. I think the reason I picked George Costanza is because that character in an ensemble cast of what we learn sort of, and are blindsided by through the season finale, we learn are just a a, a reprehensible group of people. He to me was the most, exaggerated yet still relatable character on the show and i think that like i said at the beginning if you were to put him in in any other sitcom universe just this self-loathing self-deprecating um kind of unlucky like like just always getting shit on character but somehow still with this spark of um like humor I feel like I feel like that archetype of a character was built in George Costanza. Um, Jeremy, what do you think about the, the the two Seinfeld
3: nominees? I completely agree. I had Jerry Seinfeld on my short list as well, um, and certainly Seinfeld's place in the pantheon of great sitcoms and sitcom characters—all four of those characters are iconic—is. Um, you know, a hard one to argue, definitely. And uh, George, too, in some ways, George, yeah, is definitely, even though he is the secondary character, the show's not named after him, he's kind of a lot of times the one you remember for all of his different antics. And uh, a lot of the scenarios that he was involved in have sort of been the ones that, that resonate the most. So, yeah, I would, uh, I don't think it's hard to It's very hard to argue Seinfeld. Uh, Seinfeld's place, either character, uh, in the uh, uh, up on the mountain,
1: uh, Rudy. What do you think about Seinfeld?
0: <laughs> I haven't watched a single episode of Seinfeld in my life. <laughs> really? That's a lie. I take it back. Uh, I think like eight years ago, my wife made me watch the Festivus episode. I, I it wasn't it wasn't a sitcom that spoke to me. It wasn't for me, so I didn't relate to any of the characters. What do you mean for me? Elaborate um so seinfeld was big in the 90s right Uh um i'm gonna tell you what i was watching in the 90s i was watching martin i was watching in living color i i was watching uh fresh prince i wasn't watching seinfeld i i just it was it wasn't something that i felt like it i wasn't gonna get the comedy as a kid I'm not going to, I mean, I probably, it probably deserves a rewatch and yes, Seinfeld and George Costanza are at the very, very bottom of my short list just because I know who they are even without watching the show, but it just, you know, I, I, I trust you guys.
1: (laughs) All right. So that said the list of, the list of sitcoms that you just named, um, were sitcoms, uh, let's see. I'm looking back at your list. The list of sitcoms you, you just named were all uh primarily black actors. Um yet none of the characters from those sitcoms were on your list. The only black actor character on your list is Urkel. So Yeah. So go ahead. Tell us about Urkel.
0: So listen so like Urkel, so they took this trope of like the next door nerdy, like kid that you know you, you you know there's there's going to be the nerd and he's he's fantasizing and and infatuated with Lara, and that's his dream girl and he'll do anything for her and he becomes he's supposed to be like this annoying figure but he immediately speaks to people and becomes the star of the show and 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 i mean steve urkel you everyone was quoting things he was saying in, in that show. Like, I and just to, you know, kick back at you guys, I don't remember people quoting Seinfeld around me growing up, but, like, people would quote, like, did I do that? Like, all the time. And Steve Urkel, when he made that switch, people lost their minds. It was a fixture in the the TGIF uh, universe. So that's why Steve Urkel's on my list.
1: All salient points. I'm just curious, why... Why would you go for, I mean, you could argue, Will Smith was on my short list, and you could argue that Will Smith was a little more, um, uh, what's the word, debonair and um, cool than Urkel. Why Why Urkel over Will Smith?
0: Well, because I feel like Will Smith, there wasn't a character there. Will Smith was the fresh yes. prince. Yes,
1: yes. Finally, I say this every time we talk about Will Smith.
0: No, okay, but you you go on it. You go on about it, and this is what quote unquote what you say: the films that Will Smith uh, act in, because you like to refer to things as films. No, I don't. Like, no, you I talk, don't. You shut do your it mouth. all the time. You
1: shut your mouth. <laughs> movies, movies. I'm not but a cinema. That, I'm not. A, I'm not a cinema that, snob. Movies.
0: That. But that's different. Movies, and it, we, that's another. That's another podcast. But no, like the the whole Fresh Prince of Bel Air was based on the rapper, the Fresh Prince, moving to Bel-Air. So like, yeah, there wasn't a character there.
1: Okay, that's fair. So you think that, that and what was the other one you said, Martin? Martin, again, kind of based, I, I would argue, based on Martin Lawrence, the comedian, having his own show. Yeah, yeah.
0: Whereas and, and dude, Martin's on my short list. I love Martin. I used to schedule college classes around martin being shown on the usa network
1: <laughs> wow not even like the original martin like the reruns on usa yeah yeah syndication baby wow that's <laughs> awesome um that was actually my ringtone for a while the theme song
0: Martin. yes
1: <laughs> so um all right let's see uh so just moving down the list again rudy since we've got you Fons and ron swanson you want to go ahead and tell us about those
0: Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle Ron Swanson first. Um, he's arguably the more uh, relevant, even though the show ended like five years ago, like more uh, recent character. But I think he clearly stood out as a character that everybody kind of wanted to be like. They wanted to be stoic. They wanted to be truthful. They wanted to be honorable. Um, uh, you know, uh they he was a he's a man's man, but you know, he has this soft side. And I think that uh the character of Ron Swanson, I mean, if you haven't seen the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness, do yourself a favor, it's worth a Google. And it it it's it's brilliant. And and honestly, some of it comes down to writing, but Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson, there could never be anybody else to do what he brought to that character and that character meant a lot to that show like and that's where i was like if he wasn't on parks and rec would i still watch it and probably not so that's why he made my list now the fonz so growing up you you know you had to watch shows that were available on the channels that you had and happy days was in syndication so i watched a lot of happy days and The Fonz is the epitome of cool. Like, you don't get other characters in sitcoms that portray cool without the Fonz. Everybody wanted to be the Fonz. He is the reason for the term jumping the shark. Like, that because they took this character who could do no wrong. He could hit a jukebox and get it to start. He could tackle racism in an episode. He could do whatever... And they took him and they made him ski jump over sharks or water ski over sharks. That character is the reason that exists. So that's why that character, the Fonz, is on my list.
1: Now, wait a minute. So jumping the shark, though, isn't a good thing. That means like when the character is like past his prime and has to be, you know, like kind of like old yeller no doesn't that no, that's that- that's
0: that's that's when a show is obviously it stopped being relevant so they had to attach it to the one thing that held that show together nobody tuned into happy days to see what like what's that guy what's the archie the no, richie whatever he was doing no see i don't even remember his name because when you hear happy days you think of
2: the Fonz.
1: when i hear happy days i think of pat marita but um spro you had your hand up
2: <clears throat> uh no it's pretty much a bad argument because i was looking at rudy's list when he was talking about seinfeld he's like i never watched it because it wasn't for me it wasn't on when i was growing up and then i was like but well, you got happy days <laughs> and then he just explained that it was in syndication but uh no i think happy days i think uh um ron howard
1: uh did the fonds end racism hey i don't remember that <laughs>
0: No, he fought racism in an
1: episode. <laughs> I don't remember that.
0: Well, gosh, see that's the problem. You guys strike me as people who had uh, cable growing up in the in the late eighties and early nineties. I did not, so you, I had to rely on cable. What are you implying,
1: cable. Rudy? What do you mean by that? I feel like, I feel like this is a stereotype like a thin, you veil. you wouldn't you
0: wouldn't. You wouldn't recognize the beauty of Happy Days and the Fonz because you didn't ha- you didn't get to watch it just because as I had,
2: often as I did. Just because I'm I had Babar on HBO
1: doesn't mean that I wasn't
2: watching Happy Days too.
1: <laughs> um, all right, in the spirit of moving on to to get everybody uh, some some airtime, Jeremy, let's go over your list. We haven't talked about anybody on your list. We have uh, Ralph Cramden. Alex P. Keaton, Ross Geller, and Barney Stinson. So uh, wherever you want to start, go for it.
3: Well, I guess I'll start with Ralph Crandon because he really is the prototype male sitcom character. You know, like the beleaguered husband, um, the, you know, everyday guy who's always trying to get ahead and get rich. Um, you know, all of those things that you see, like all the, the, the tropes from every other sitcom like uh, King of Queens and Everybody Loves Raymond and whatever that one with Jim Belushi was and uh, the, you know, the uh, Tim Allen's Last Man Standing and even maybe Home Improvement to an extent, they all kind of stem, Fred Flintstone, you know, was basically a straight up remake of The Honeymooners. It all stems from, from Ralph Cramden and from the character that he created. I think a lot of those archetypes that, that he put into that character Still exists today in some form.
1: He was the to the moon Alice, right?
3: <laughs> yes, that's the guy.
1: So, okay, exactly. So.
3: And with the the sass talking wife who always sort of one ups the husband and is ultimately proven to be smarter and have more on the ball than the husband, which you see time and again on sitcoms even today. And I think that all started, you know, with the honeymooners. The honeymooners really set the tone for the modern sitcom, I think, and laid the groundwork for what we see today.
1: Okay moving
3: down the list Alex P Keaton So Alex P Keaton's similar in the way that we talked about Urkel um was sort of one of those cases of the show wasn't about him or and the Fonz, too the show wasn't initially about him but he became the show uh, and through the strength of Michael J Fox's portrayal and the, and the writing and everything it ultimately became the Alex P Keaton show and not originally it was going to be the show about you know these uh Sort of, you know, hippie parents and, and kind of, you know, raising kids today, baby boomer parents raising kids in the 80s and all this sort of thing. And um, all the kids were kind of going to have their own moment to shine. And but more and more, Alex P. Heaton became the focus until by the time you got to the end, it was, you know, they were devoting entire episodes to him. If, if you guys remember, there was that one episode where he was in the psychiatrist's office and it was just basically like a Michael J. Fox piece of performance art really it was like him and there were almost no other actors and it was him just sort of monologuing and everything and that was all based on sorry go ahead no it was all based on audience reaction and audience enthusiasm for that character
1: he was uh he was on my short list just because of his kind of like fish out of water presence as like the young conservative teenager in a house full of you know like free-spirited parents but then i remembered um that the that that he got the um he got the backhand across the face from drunken Tom Hanks. Leave me alone. Yes. And, um, and he sold it the wrong way. Like Tom Hanks slapped him one way, and he flew the other way. So that yes. points off for me. Um,
3: he did like a Ric Flair <laughs> level sell on that on sure that did. slap. Sh- yeah, that was. <laughs> he that just was, flew uh, across the room.
1: He sure did, and it was. Uh, I mean, that was that was you know not a not a proud moment for Tom Hanks being Uncle Ned. But um, Mm -mm. yeah, ultimately, ultimately, Alex P. Heaton's um, defiance of conventional physics knocked him off my, off my final list. Uh, Ross Geller. Tell us about Ross Geller.
3: So I think you can't do a list of sitcom characters, male or female greatest sitcom characters without including one of the friends because friends was the sitcom of the nineties. And then through streaming and syndication, it lives on. And there's, you know, I mean, my kids and their friends, you know, watch Friends, Um, even though there's, you know, I mean, the show is now almost, you know, getting close to 30 years old. It still resonates with young people today. So I think um, you can't not have one of the Friends on there. So then I had to whittle it down. since This was male sitcom characters. We had three to choose from. And I think one of the things that you think about with Friends is the Ross and Rachel romance, which is present, uh, or hinted at in the very first episode. And it's a thread all the way right up to the end. Um, so therefore I felt like if I had to choose one friend to kind of represent the, the male contingent of friends, Ross would be the one.
1: It's interesting that you say that young kids today are like falling back into friends because I've seen that too. And I, I don't understand it. Friends like, Let's see Friends was when we were like juniors and seniors in high school and I didn't like it didn't it didn't grab me then and I've watched it since and I you see those videos on YouTube of like people taking out the laugh track from Friends and it's really not funny so I'm wondering like what kids today like are are and I'm not trying to like shake my fist in the air like kids today get off my lawn but I'm wondering what's what's appealing about it to the younger generation
2: I think it's more so they're nostalgic for the times when you fell in love with your friend or the people around you like in the office when it comes to Jim and Pam like today's uh, dating culture is like the hookup culture it's the dating phone apps it's the you know meeting strangers in restaurants and having awkward like everybody's setting themselves up on blind dates. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like the kids are being like, oh, my gosh, this is how they used to fall in love. And it just it's it's more, I don't know, natural, I guess. And it just because that's what the kids are essentially gravitating toward that and the uh, the humor behind
1: everything. Hmm. That's interesting theory. I mean, you're right. There were no dating apps on friends for sure. Um, Last one, Barney Stinson.
3: Yes. So we could talk about a lot about How I Met Your Mother, um, because I don't know how many of you have watched it, but it was, I think, a a tremendous sitcom that ultimately fell flat in the end and failed to deliver on its premise and promise. But in the 10 seasons before we got there, it was really second... I think it was kind of the, the, the friends of its generation. In a lot of ways, it had a lot of the same themes, a lot of the same ideas about being young in your 20s in the city with... Where your friends are sort of your family, and all that other, all that other type of stuff. And Barney Stinson, I think, was the breakout. Like Alex P. Keaton, like Urkel, like The Fonz, he was the breakout character. Ted was the main character. He was the the one who was narrating the story. It was his his journey. But Barney is the character who got the most laughs. Barney is the character who had the funniest scenarios. He's the one who had all the catchphrases, and he's the one that I felt like was sort of emblematic of modern sitcoms and um i mean i feel like how i met your mother and the big bang theory were probably two of the biggest sitcoms of the last you know 10 15 years um and i just felt like the big bang theory was almost you know it's too too static of a show it's really the same show every episode is kind of the same thing and that doesn't mean it wasn't funny i've certainly laughed at episodes of the big bang theory but i feel like you could watch an episode from season one and an episode from whatever the last season was uh, because that show ran forever and you would not be able to tell the difference of what season it was from. But I felt like. No, go ahead. No. So I just felt like those two sitcoms were probably the biggest two sitcoms. So, um, but I felt like Barney Stinson was at least an interesting character who was funny and you could make arguments all day about his misogyny and his sexism and all this other stuff and, and his questionable ethics. And of course, yes, but situationally, you know his the scenarios he was in were funny and his character was funny and uh, the show was really good up until a point. So I felt like he he sort of represented the sitcoms of the last decade. So
1: he was a piece of shit, but Jeremy liked him. So that's
3: what I was. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I it. sometimes pieces of shit make the most interesting characters. You that's know?
1: Fair. Wow. <laughs> you well, know? speaking wow. of which, I'll that's Jeremy's list. And speaking of pieces of shit, I noticed conspicuous by his <clears throat> presence the only animated male sitcom character which surprises me because i thought for sure somebody would go to either homer or bart simpson but i chose beavis from beavis and butthead <laughs> and here's why because beavis i would i would argue specifically was if we're talking about breakout characters he was you know the quotable one he was the great cornholio all that stuff but that show was so brilliant in its execution of Literally mocking outright and making fun of its own audience. Like it was a show about the people who watched it and it was taking jabs at them. And I'm talking about like us, our generation. It was taking jabs at them and it was highlighting kind of just what pieces of shit we were um, sitting around watching TV in such a clever and iconic way that. That it's 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 almost paradoxical to me. And even when it came back, there it, it did its initial run in the '90s. Then it came back, I think, in like 2010 or 2011, and it did it again. This time, instead of with music videos, because music videos didn't really exist anymore, it was using YouTube videos. They would sit around and watch YouTube videos and comment on YouTube videos, and it was like, wow, they're using this mechanism again, and it's still relevant. And I think that that notion um the fact that that it was such a generationally defining show and tandem of characters i think is the reason that i put it on the list uh does anybody have any any thoughts about beavis and butthead
2: i don't hate it i you know i don't hate the the pick i uh, usually when everybody is given their picks i just start making notes Alongside the names of like what I'm going to talk about when it comes to that, I do believe if you're going to look for an animated character, like you said, and I didn't even think about Bart Simpson, but like I would go with Homer Simpson, but your argument is sound when it comes to Beavis and Butthead uh, being very meta and making fun of its own audience. On the channel that the audience that's making fun of is watching, you know, it's It's all MTV
1: and it is it is like the more you think about it and it's not a show. I don't think that's meant to be thought of intellectually, but the more that you do think about it, meta is the perfect word, because here as the creators of the show, we're getting you to watch this network to make fun of you watching this network in a way that you watch this network like while watching this network and this show it's, it was, and, and that never, of course, of course didn't dawn on me as a teenager watching the show. I just like to do the, you know, the voices and the jokes and, and be rude and crude. Um, but once I graduated college and I got my first job, I started talking with a colleague there and he brought to my attention that sort of like, um, that, that, that notion of, of what a brilliant show it was and that's stuck with me ever since. So Rudy, did you watch Beavis and
0: ButtHead? Uh, rarely. Yeah, I watched every uh, episode every once in a while. I they didn't really make my list or register with me because I would I would have immediately gravitated towards The Simpsons, um, and and characters on The Simpsons before Beavis and ButtHead. If we were gonna do that, I feel like Beavis and ButtHead or Beavis. Belongs on a Mount Rushmore somewhere. I just don't feel it's this one.
1: All right. Well, we're not at the elimination round yet, so fuck you. But uh, <laughs> I'll say that I think I think and and uh, to be to be clear, the um the the criteria for sitcom uh characterization or no the, the the criteria for for being labeled a sitcom was Wikipedia. So I double checked on Wikipedia, and Beavis and Butthead was labeled a sitcom. So were the Simpsons. So was family guy, a bunch of other animated ones. Jeremy, you mentioned the Flintstones before. And I think as I'm saying all these, the Flintstones family guy and the Simpsons, the lead male protagonist in all of those shows to me is essentially the same sort of this like buffoonish, oafish um, husband who gets into jams and then is funny and gets out. Whereas I feel like if I'm making an argument for an animated character, sitcom character, Beavis has a very unique place in that in that history. Jeremy, did you watch Beavis and Butthead?
3: I did. I love Beavis and Butthead. I thought it was hilarious, and my favorite part of that show was always when they would watch the videos, which is always the heart. When they put it out on DVD, I don't think they included many of the videos because of copyright issues and whatever. And I always felt like that was the best part of that show. But and it was interesting because when you brought it up, I thought, yeah, I was a big fan back. In, in the nineties and, um, but it's weird. It's kind of left like it was, that show was so huge. Then there was the movie and then it sort of dropped off the radar and they've done a couple of attempts to bring it back, but it's never really taken hold. And I feel like there's like no like cultural footprint of Beavis and Butthead to this day. Um,
1: Well, and if you remember, too, how much of a scandal it was, like Beavis and Butthead was right on the heels of like Mortal Kombat and video game violence and all that stuff. And this was the show that was just like lewd and crude and wretched and parents were up in arms. And, you know, my mom, I remember my mom refused to let me watch it. And then we went over to my aunt and uncle's house for Christmas. And as soon as we walked in, like in the family room, all... I think three of my uncles were sitting there watching Beavis and Butthead and cracking up. So her argument just fell apart completely right there. And um, I think it was just really, I mean for me, maybe it's a nostalgic pick, but it's indicative of like uh, for me it it definitely made a footprint. And I think that if you were to if you were to show it to kids now, I feel like at least it's different than a lot of the stuff that that they're used to.
3: That is, very, that is very true, yeah. It is. There's really nothing like it before or since. But it's just weird so, that it's kind of been forgotten. And I'm not yeah. saying that's right. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that it has been. But, without,
1: uh, getting, without getting off too much on a tangent, too, I mean, Mike Judge, the creator of Beavis and Butthead, is arguably a genius in terms of what he's created since with office space and idiocracy and all those sort of things. So I feel like he's like I feel like I feel like Beavis is a great representation of that sort of um, taking the piss out of all the things that that need to have the piss taken out of them. Um, so without 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 eating up too much time, the next pick on my list, Uncle Jesse from Full House. Now, going back to Rudy's pick of the Fonz, I I completely agree that without the Fonz, there would be no Uncle Jesse. However. I picked Uncle Jesse. You guys all know I have a strange fascination with Uncle Jesse. And um, he's actually the one who... I had Will Smith on my list originally. And um, I I swapped him out for Uncle Jesse because I realized my heart is more in Uncle Jesse. And I think the reason was because through the almost 10 seasons of Full House, I don't know there... I don't know, I mean, in terms of breakout characters, I would argue him and the Olsen twins, of course. But even watching the show today and even, like, again, talking to younger people who've who've discovered the show and watched it, there are totally different layers to him other than just being, like, the heartthrob rock star. Like, he was often the voice of reason. He was often a source of comedy. I mean, he sort of... I feel like he he wrapped up everything that show tried to be in one character and that character has you know become and evolved into even sort of like the the like like that character has has overtaken the person I feel like of John Stamos like when you think of John Stamos you think of Uncle Jesse and I think that for better or for worse that is Indicative of how iconic it was as a character. Rudy, I heard you laughing, so you can just go ahead and start talking.
0: Well, I think, look, your, your admiration of uncle Jesse is approaching single white female, um, (laughs) um, atmosphere here. I think I, 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 he was one of my favorite characters when watching full house. He was, like in that moment the epitome of cool and i i understand your pick and um i i tentatively support it right now in this moment
1: don't forget he had a crossover episode with urkel too
0: yeah because they 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 needed to make uncle jesse relevant so they had they're like who can we pair him with what powerhouse oh urkel wow
1: wow that support went quick wow yeah (laughs) Wow. Wow, Rudy. When are you going to start running for office? Jeez. just say the things people want to hear, huh? All right. Somebody mute Rudy's mic for a few minutes. Give him a timeout. So, um, Spro, we're at the last two picks. Yours, David Rose and Archie Bunker. I'll let you go ahead and and, um, explain those.
2: Uh, so David Rose is on Shit's Creek, and Shit's Creek, I think, has been the the breakout sitcom of the last year, two years, three years. I remember going over in better times and playing uh, a GoldenEye tournament at your house, MC. Mm-hmm. And while we were all gathering ourselves on the on the TV, you were starting to watch Shit's Creek. My mom, right now, that's how she goes to bed. Um, and Shit's Creek. Jeremy made the point when talking about Bar- Barney Stinson and How I Met Your Mother, saying it was the biggest uh, of the last 10 to 15 years with the Big Bang Theory. I think Schitt's Creek has usurped those. I think uh, it has, you know, it's swept um, the Emmys and won all seven of the top comedic awards for everybody on there. And it is essentially around the David Rose character. Sure, there's Eugene Levy. You're never going to steal the screen from him. You're never going to steal the screen from Catherine O'Hara. Like it was an ensemble cast, much like Friends, much like Big Bang Theory, much like most of the sitcoms that we're going to talk about. But David Rose's story, I think, and his the way that he is quoted the most often, I think, cannot be ignored uh, when it comes to talk about sitcom characters. Archie Bunker, my throw-in at the last moment, is kind of like a Ralph Crampton, I guess. He's a symptom of the times. He, you could kind of say that Al Bundy was inspired by him, and Al Bundy was on my short shortlist uh, with the blue-collar workers, um, Just, just an angry white male who didn't understand the world around him and kind of was the voice for people of that generation. Okay, so was on for 12 seasons and Bravo voted him the number one greatest character of all time, beating out Ralph Cramden and Fonzie as long as well as the TV Guide also in their poll said that Archie Munker was better than those two. So, I mean, that's just TV Guide, though. Like, that's not they don't know too much about TV.
1: No, that's fair. I mean, Um, sarcasm.
0: I just want to I mean, elephant in the elephant in the room. Wasn't Archie Bunker like a character who landmark episode was meeting Sammy Davis Jr. because he was
2: racist like Archie Bunker was racist? Well, he was an idiot. He was in one episode. He expresses revulsion for the Ku Klux Klan like organization, which he accidentally joins. Um, Wait a second. Stop. Stop. stop, What? Yeah. Your
0: character that you want to put on Mount Rushmore accidentally joined the KKK.
2: No, a KKK like organization (laughs) and that was revolted that that that's who he was or that's what he saw. His dilemma is coping with the world that is changing in front of him. He doesn't know what to do except to lose his temper, mouth his poisons, uh, you know, look elsewhere to fix the blame for his own discomfort. He isn't a totally even man, but he's shrewd. and he he won't get to the root of his problem because the root of the problem is himself, and he doesn't know stop, it. Stop so, reading, Like bro. that's that's just <laughs> you know. Well, this is my fucking throw-in, bro. <laughs> 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 I know I've never watched Archie
1: Bunker. Like somebody no, take him of off this. my list. <laughs> it was no, just a name kill. that I threw.
2: Stop,
0: stop. My yeah, maybe, fifth,
1: uh, maybe, maybe don't fall on this sword, bro. My fifth, uh,
2: well, no, I mean we, that's like that's the fun thing is like hopefully somebody I hopefully somebody takes him off my list. The my fifth person was going to be Ross Geller, but
1: uh, okay. we could get to why I didn't choose him in the in the end game. So, Jeremy, do you want to add in? Because Jeremy, you're you're a few years older than we are, so Archie Bunker might have had more of an impact in your, uh, you know, sitcom experience. Do you want to weigh in on the Archie Bunker um, debate here?
3: Yeah, Archie Bunker is a good choice, um, and certainly. My grandmother loved Archie Bunker. Whenever she would come over, we had to watch uh, All in the Family and then The Jeffersons, and she loved all those Norman Lear sitcoms. So whatever I think of Archie Bunker, I always think of my, my grandmother coming to visit. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he everything that you know was has been brought up is is all right on. I mean, he broke all the boundaries of what sitcom characters could do, what they could say. Um, I think that he, he shocked a lot of people, but, but in doing so, he made people think and made people question and examine their own, um, prejudices, their own beliefs, their own thoughts about the world. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, it makes a lot of sense to put him on and he's a character that would, they tried, um, do you, does anyone remember the remake of all in the family or sequel series that they did we, I can't remember John Amos played the character, but it was that they moved into uh, Archie Bunker's...
1: Amos from uh, Die Hard 2?
3: From Die Hard 2 and Coming to America, Cleo McDowell. See, they're McDonald's. I'm McDowell. No, I don't remember that. Oh, gosh. It was in, like, the 90s. I'm going to look it up. Um, he moved into Archie Bunker's old house. And uh, I think the name of the show was the address. I'm going to look it up. And uh, and they tried to do it again. They tried to do the same thing, except now... you know, with a black family and, um, it just, it didn't quite work, but, but the idea was, you know, to see if they could, you know, have that same conversation, that same discourse in the nineties. And I think people just weren't, were so shocked by it in that generation that it just didn't take. But I think that, uh, you know, it's proof that, you know, his character, I think was so impactful, um, that people have ever since been trying to, um, match what he did huh did fun not.
2: fact it inspired eric cartman from south park
3: oh really 704,
1: 704 hauser 704
3: hauser there it is yes that's
1: the name of the show wow um and what did you say spro it inspired Cart. Uh, archie bunker inspired cartman Me! yep eric cartman from the episode south park see cartman's another one that man that would have been a good one i did not even think yeah, of cartman, cartman. i
0: would have put cartman ahead of
1: beavis Wow. Well, hey, Rudy, you've got the power. You've got the touch. Mm-hmm. When we come down, I mean, because because as we head into the elimination round, which we're about to, the the final bonus of the elimination round is that the person with uh, the least amount of points heading in can basically um, throw the monkey wrench into this whole mountain. So keep that in mind, Rudy. All so right.
2: Rudy's just going to have
1: the monkey wrench the entire time. Yep. <laughs> so Rudy's sitting oh, yeah. back... With his monkey wrench, and here we go. What I'm going to do is I'm going to randomize our names again. And round one, we have to each cut one from our own list. Okay, so there's elements of strategy to this. Um, and and moving forward, in round two, we cut one from someone else's list, and round three, we nominate someone to the mountain from someone else's list. So um, this is where we kind of have to figure out who, uh, you know, who we think presented the best arguments. And um, from there, we we carved the mountain. Um, all right, so I'm going to randomize the list. And we have MC, Rudy, Spro, and Jeremy. So I have to cut someone from my own list for round one. And I'm going to do the strategic thing and cut Michael Scott. And for those listeners wondering why that's strategic, it's because I believe he's still going to make the mountain, and I'm still going to get a point. so that's a pretty simple pick for me rudy you're next
0: i'm gonna eliminate ron swanson why is that so i i I feel like ron swanson's got to go because the other three are stronger characters
1: okay so you you just you just you just rolling over on ron swanson like you did on me with the tentative support for uncle jesse
0: Oh, that was a good one. Good bird. Yeah, look, he's a, he's an amazing character. I encourage our listener to uh if you don't if you're not familiar, check out Parks and Rec and, and, and enjoy Ron Swanson. But I feel like the other three, uh well, the other two have a definite shot on getting on the mountain.
1: All right. Spro you're up
2: next. And I think that's a good pick, Riddy, really, because When I think of Parks and Rec, I think of Chris Pratt or Aziz Ansari or Rob Lowe. Like, there's a lot of good male sitcom characters on that show. Um, I think I'm just going to lock in Rudy with the Michael Scott
1: and take Michael Scott off my list. All right, smart move. So, right now, I mean, this could this could swerve, but right now, Rudy is the only one with Michael Scott still on his list. Um, Jeremy, go ahead and take one off your list.
3: Uh, This is tough because none of mine. Once mine any of mine are gone, then they're gone. So um, this, well, this is very tough.
1: You should have picked a better list.
3: I guess so. I guess so. Or maybe my list was too good. <laughs> no, like maybe uh, oh, not, no. What was that movie? Uh, Tucker, the man in his dream. You made the car too good. You know? <laughs> wow, what a reference.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um,
1: I did not wake up this morning thinking I would hear a quote from Tucker, the man in his dream.
3: No, well, you know. Maybe uh, – I think Jeff Bridges feels the same way.
1: This day is full of possibilities. Yes. All right, your turn.
3: So I guess of all the ones that, that could go, because there's been some other good names that have come up, even ones that I didn't consider. Um, but there's a few that I'd like to see, try and make it through. So I'm going to have to say Barney Stinson for all my right. list is the one who I could afford to, to lose the, the easiest.
1: All right, Barney Stinson is gone. All right. So that's the end of round 1. Round 2, we cut someone from everyone else's list. So we've been uh following along and making eliminations and in round 2 the order is going to go Jeremy, Rudy, MC Spro. So Jeremy, you're first.
3: This is really hard. Does all of the other names that came up were all really thought provoking and were names that I that I, either I had thought of and not included, or I'm surprised that I didn't think of. So, this is tough. I think what I'm gonna say first one to go is gonna be Beavis. <laughs> and I'm <Why>? sorry, <laughs> because I, I was down to there were a couple of other ones, but I, but I felt like what we were talking about 30 years on Beavis and Butthead isn't uh. They don't, you know, they're not still part of pop culture the way maybe some of these other characters are. They were huge in their time, deservedly so. They have, they've left a lot of nostalgia, but attempts to bring them back haven't clicked. And I feel like they're, they're kind of, they were of their time and, uh, they were great in their day, but maybe that their day, uh, has passed.
1: Wow. Well, I can't argue that's your choice. Um, so Beavis, Beavis is gone. Rudy, you're next.
0: Well, wow. Jeremy just swept the leg on me there. So I'm going to go to my number two pick. Um, and this goes back to the discussion of, is there a character there? Um, and I just don't feel like there is a character. Um, I'm going to get rid of Jerry Seinfeld.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, he, he's playing a comedian. And I'm so I'm not understanding where there's a huge leap in like a character and character
2: development. I just, be the enemy of the podcast, I guess. That's you know the enemy of the people. <laughs> the listeners are listening; they will remember. I bet they will.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, right, I'm next, and then Spro. I think you know what uh, I'm going to get rid of Ross Geller because. Again, like, that's, it's one that, like, I don't, like, I couldn't, uh, and, and I feel like, I feel like saying I couldn't doesn't necessarily reflect the impact of the character, but the three dudes on that show, him, Matthew Perry, and uh the other guy, how you doing, that guy, like, I feel like they bled into each other so much that, that there was nothing discernible or remarkable about, about, any of them really um and and this being said as someone who didn't watch the show originally but kind of came into it a little bit you know after it had cooled down and still has seen probably every episode i i just i don't i don't know that that i want ross geller on my mount. get off my wall god damn it
2: <laughs> bro that you're up purpose. next <laughs> I will say, so I want to just point out, Ross Geller to me was like the strongest choice that Jeremy could make with the Friends episode. And I think he will, if we ever do like an ensemble cast, he will get up there because Friends is just a main stage, I feel. But uh, no, I agree. Um, Looking at the rest of the list, though, like I feel like everybody came out really strong. And I agree with Jeremy that it's hard to cut from people's lists. I'm super surprised Archie Bunker is still up for contention. But uh, I would say, looking at everybody's thing, if we took one person out, I don't think anybody would cry. I feel like it's got to be Steve Urkel.
0: Ooh. You. Ooh.
2: What? What? Wow. Oh,
0: Blood
3: really
0: oh, here we go. Here we go.
2: Got any <laughs> <clears throat> wow rudy. How, rudy that was carl Clark. no what was his show? that was carl's show carl Winslow. no it wasn't yeah he started as carl <laughs> Winslow. i didn't even show. remember his name <laughs> yeah because I, I haven't really thought about that show in 20 years to be fair uh, though okay
1: to be fair though as a huge reginald VelJohnson johnson fan uh i don't know that um that that you see that actor in anything else and i'm thinking of course of die hard die hard toon ghostbusters and say anything but oh it's carl winslow so i mean he's amazing. and really good do you want
2: to live next to urkel do you want to be friends with urkel like urkel was effing annoying (laughs) urkel normal
0: urkel Urkel made being smart cool urkel was like
2: screech Right. Like, like who wants to be friends with Screech? Nobody wants to be friends with Screech, especially now. <laughs> like, I don't know. Urkel, I have, I, I feel good about it. I feel good about it. Wow.
0: Of course you feel good about it. You chose Archie Bunker to be on your Mount Rushmore. Of course you feel good about getting rid of Urkel. Wow.
1: I like it. All right. So, so each of us have two left on our lists. Um, and the way this works is now the final round we'd have, we have to nominate someone from someone else's list. So that's not to say that everybody's going to get someone, uh, from their list. You know, one person could nominate one, uh, character from someone's list. And then another person could nominate the other character from that same person's list. So this is right now, uh, hold on. I'm going to queue up some music. So here we are in the final round. <laughs> We are born to be kings we're the princes of the universe. name that band Rudy.
2: Queen. Come
1: on. <laughs> In this round, we're gonna randomize our names again, and we each have to pick someone from someone else's list to carve the mountain. And the order of names is as follows: Spro, Rudy, myself, and Jeremy. Spro, you are up first. Uh, um, I really like
2: just the to the moon, Alex. I can't do Ralph Cramden. Alex Keaton. You know what? I'm a Sour Patch Kid today. I'm a little bit sweet and then I'm sour and then I'm sweet. And I'm going to go with uh, Rudy's Fonz pick. I'm going
1: to put the Fonz up there. All right. Fonz is on the mountain.
2: Urkel still sucks, though.
1: Oh, come on. <laughs> okay, next up, Rudy. See if you can return the favor, I guess, or 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 whatever. Don't forget that he kneecapped your so, Urkel.
0: I know I know what he did to Urkel. I will never forget that. Alright. <laughs> um however God damn it, I just respect Spro so much. <laughs> and the choice of choosing a character that is we haven't talked about the cultural relevance of David Rose and how uh, that character is normalizing LGBTQ uh, relationships and on like a huge show, like a a massive hit and what, how important that is to the community. And so I'm putting David Rose.
1: Now we'll have to wait. (laughs) We'll have to wait and see if this is all a ruse because Rudy has the bonus pick. So he might just be setting you up to, uh, to, to come in and sweep David Rose out and then put Urkel back in. He has that power. <laughs> um, all right, my turn. I guess, I guess I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to play strategy and I'm going to nominate Rudy's Michael Scott. I think we all knew Michael Scott was going to be on the list and we all knew he was going to eventually be on the mountain. And putting him up there... From Rudy's List is my olive branch. To you, Rudy, even though every time we record one of these shows, I, I feel like I want to go put your head through drywall at the end. So, <clears throat> Jeremy, you're last. Let's do this.
3: I am last, and none of mine have gone through. This is truly astounding to me. I really thought uh, I had picked some some winners, but this is not my day today. That said... Looking at who's left, there's some there's some really good options that are left, and I think it's really oh man, this is really hard. But I think if you're looking at icons carved in stone that represent the this, this sitcom for all time, I think looking at who's left, you got to go with Archie Bunker. You <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. what archie bunker was an icon in the 70s and even into the 80s and uh-huh. broke the mold for sitcoms for sitcom characters for what could be said on sitcoms what could be discussed on sitcoms what could be talked about what could be shown and paved the way there was no i mean look at all the spin-offs of all in the family I mean, so
1: let's look at the let's look at the beauty here of this mountain. We've got Archie Bunker and David Rose on the same mountain, representing the yeah, same that's category <laughs> of of, um, of greatness. I think there's something poetic in that.
2: I mean, Sammy Davis Jr. liked Archie Bunker. That's why he went on the show twice. Right. But I mean. No,
0: they had had to bring Sammy Davis Jr. on there twice to assure the audience that Archie
2: Bunker wasn't a racist. Here's the quote. (laughs) Sammy Davis Jr., who was both black and Jewish, genuinely liked the character. He felt Bunker's bigotry was based on his rough working (laughs) class experiences and that Bunker was honest and forthright in his opinions, showing an openness to changing his views if an individual treated him right. (laughs) All right. <laughs> that's that's sammy davis jr i mean you could argue with sammy davis jr all you want but sammy davis jr sammy i mean he's a legend to me to me sammy davis jr is a legend you know but if you want to be a sammy davis jr if you just want to be a frank sinatra liker i understand rudy but sam is sammy sammy i'm a sammy
1: guy that's who that's where i hail from just gonna say that does it hold any weight with you then that Uncle Jesse was also a big
2: Sammy Davis Jr. fan? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love But nobody picked him, MC. I'm sorry about that. I thought um, about it. I really didn't think about it. It was down to
3: Uncle Jesse and Archie Bunker. But I said, look at not just Archie Bunker as a character, but all all the family as a show. I mean, it had the most spinoffs of any show. But remember, in we're not history. doing
1: shows. We're not doing shows. We're doing characters. So, uh, but, your, it's your, your argument, it, but it's about
3: culture. But it's about impact
1: your argument was sound for Archie Bunker I thought and regardless of his oh, proclivities man. and peccadillos, I think that y- you can't argue with his, his impact and like I said having him on a mountain next to or possibly um, as far away from photoshopped as possible David Rose there's something beautifully poetic about that um, but
3: and I think it shows the progression of sitcoms because you have Archie Bunker to David Rose you can show that you know, mentalities, attitudes, tolerances have all changed. And the sitcom has evolved. But I also don't think that Archie Bunker represents or is any kind of icon of bigotry or anything. I think he's an icon of ignorance that needed to change and that the people around him helped reshape his worldview. So I don't think that it was like, yeah, Archie Bunker is awesome because he hates this, these people and these people. And I love <laughs> that he says that. It's like... You- we laughed at that, you know, how ignorant were, he was.
0: You know, there were some people that were like, yeah, I like him because he says he's horrible. Things. Right,
3: yeah, probably. But I think majority of people looked at Archie Bunker. But as You can make oh, that same argument
1: ignorant. for Michael Scott. Michael Scott true, has that ignorance true, Very true. That, there's, and he says is, some dumb things. There's quite a spectrum here from, was, was Archie Bunker before or after Fonz?
3: I think he's before. Like, he, like Happy like, Days is like late time. 70s.
1: So like yeah, like they were living a couple of years of each other. Okay, so if you look at the spectrum from like Archie Bunker to Fonz to Michael Scott to David Rose, that's 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 quite an evolution of. Michael Scott was uh, kind of the bridge yeah. between like the first the first few seasons of Michael Scott, where you know he was just sort of like blissfully ignorant, but then sort of came around and and became more aware and more. Um, you know endearing like we talked about and then moving forward to the the progressiveness of shitts Creek and all that stuff I mean I don't I don't I don't even though Uncle Jesse and Beavis aren't on it I don't hate this mountain but I don't, so I don't the, think
2: I, this is going to survive and Fury over there though
1: well <laughs> to bring up <laughs> speaking, an old female
2: name <laughs>
1: speaking of Archie Bunker, Spro, why don't you say that again
2: uh, I don't think this is going to survive and Fury over there at Hotmail or whatever your fucking
1: email was. <laughs> I might have to bleep that out, all of that, but the email especially, so you don't get any hate mail. But Rudy, we're not done yet because you came into this episode with the fewest points, so that means that you get to um, you get to cast a spell over the mountain and basically change whichever one you want if you choose to do so. Now. You don't get any. <laughs> you don't get any points for this. So throwing your own on the mountain, throwing Urkel back on the mountain, wouldn't wouldn't affect your score. But
2: oh, he doesn't well, get a point so, if he puts Urkel on. I don't. I think
1: didn't that know this. that. Part. I don't think that's fair because I think everybody would just throw their own on to get a point. Oh, I think very low of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> um, so. Let me just first uh, address Spro's uh, article that he read. The fact that they had to identify Sammy Davis Jr. as a black Jewish Jewish person just, I mean, tells you everything you need to know about, like, that and Archie Bunker. Because if this is pop culture etched in stone, if you held up a picture of Archie Bunker and Urkel next to each other, they wouldn't identify Archie Bunker. Like... He, I would I would bet money people would be like, I have no idea who that guy is. But they recognize Urkel. So I am indeed going to bump a pick that was a last-minute addition wow. that the, the person who picked it wasn't even supportive of and said, please take him off my list. I am bumping <laughs> Archie Bunker off of Mount Rushmore and putting Stephen Urkel. Wow. <sighs>
2: Wow, I don't mind I mean, the bumping Archie Bunker because I kind of liked Ralph Cramden and Alex Keaton and George Costanza and Uncle Jesse and anybody other than yes,
3: fucking Urkel. Steve Urkel on the <laughs> oh, all-time oh, list of great sitcom male characters is an abomination. Says says the person who doesn't have one person on the uh, well, <laughs> that's why it's an abomination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you have these other iconic characters and you have yeah. Yeah, this sure. buffoon.
2: You chose
3: Ross. <laughs> uh, oh, this is getting now, Yes. I chose Ross from one of the most famous uh, and enduring sitcoms of all time. How do people talk about Steve Urkel today? Hey, TGIF. Punchline. TGIF. <laughs> all right, so, so I've
1: just where's, uh? Up- Go ahead, Jeremy. I
3: was saying, like, where is Family Matters streaming today? Who's watching who? Family Hulu. Matters? Who's downloading Actually, Family Hulu. Matters? It's on Hulu. It's
1: on Hulu. Hulu, as of today. But so something interesting has happened (laughs) because of that. I've just added up the new point totals. Spro is still in the lead with fourteen. Myself, Rudy, and Jeremy all now have ten. So for the next episode, we're going to have to do a random pick to see who gets the bonus round, and that could just that could just throw shit into chaos from here on out. I mean, that's (laughs) never unprecedented, completely unprecedented. That said, it's time to pick the topic for our next episode. So what we have is my favorite part. We have a wheel um, that's got about four, uh, yeah, like 40 or 50 different topics that we've come up with over, you know, the course of this, this show, when we are still talking to each other. Um, And we're just going to (laughs) spin it randomly and we're going to see where it lands. best henchman best henchman interesting we can we can debate about what that means off the air via text uh, decide what the criteria is what the um, the do's and don'ts are for 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 deciding what constitutes henchman but that is our topic best henchman should be interesting until then, um, all you fart knockers, <laughs> thanks very much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Listen to the bumper here at the end to find out how you can follow us on social media, recommend topics, tell us how great we are, tell us how terrible we are, yell at Rudy. Um, all these what? things that that need to happen now that Urkel is on Mount Rushmore. Um, Have we
2: vocalized who
1: this Rushmore is, like name for name? Did I not do that? I don't think so. All right, let me cut it in here. So the final Mount Rushmore of male sitcom characters is as follows: The Fonz, David Rose, Michael Scott, and Steve Urkel. <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> and Ridiculous.
0: I punctuated it. Yeah.
1: I punctuated it with disgust, Steve Urkel. Um, <laughs> I, but I guess, I guess, I guess that's the way the ball bounces and 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 when in 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 10 years when Rudy looks up at at this photoshop mount rushmore he's going to see Erkel and he's going to say did I do that and we will remind him <laughs> we'll remind him in a hushed tone yes that is your fault Rudy all right so that's our final mount rushmore we've got our topic for the next show um and we will see you guys back here hopefully as we debate best henchmen Listen to the bumper at the end of the show here to find out how you can get at us on social media, how you can email us with topic uh, suggestions. Let us know whether you agree, disagree with our topics or our choices. And um, basically just, you know, tell us what's up. Um, For Jeremy, Rudy, and Spro, I am MC saying, thank you very much for listening to Mount Rushmore. We will catch you next
3: time. (laughs)